Welcome to Wine Country Women with Michelle Mandreau, the podcast for wine fanatics who are curious not only about what goes in the bottle, but the remarkable women who make these distinctive winemaking regions so special. Each week, we introduce you to a prominent woman and take a peek into her life and, of course, her favorite wines. Welcome to today's Wine Country Women podcast. I'm Michelle Mandreau, and I'm talking with Gina Hennen who will be one of the featured women in Wine Country Women of Willamette Valley, due out in 2020. Gina is a winemaker, wife, and mother. Gina, thank you so much for inviting me here to Adelsheim. Yeah, well, thanks for coming. And we are here literally sitting in the middle of the vineyard. So much fun. Let's get started and talk about your career and then we're going to move on to your personal life. Tell me, what was your first paying job ever? Well, if you want to really go back, it was Hallmark in a mall when I was 16. But my real first career paying job, um, I was working as a semiconductor engineer in Portland, Oregon. And that was right after I graduated from college. And what does a semiconductor engineer do? Uh, a lot of different things. Mostly I worked in quality control, so I was responsible for some equipment that measures the thickness of a very, very, very thin film. That's a critical layer in a microprocessor, which you would find in your computer. Okay. So how does a... Well, how long did you have that occupation? Uh, I worked there for around six years, both here and then also in Ireland. And how was Ireland? It was pretty great. (laughs) So why why come back to the States? So my husband is Irish, and so we actually met when we were both working for Intel here in the States, and then he contractually had to go back um, to Ireland to work there for a year. And so I moved over there with, and then eventually decided we wanted to come back to Oregon. I really wanted to change careers at that stage, and so we moved back to the Portland area. I went back to school um, for winemaking this time. Okay. And what was it about winemaking that enticed you? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I had worked in the restaurant industry in pastry, and I thought pretty seriously about maybe doing that as a career. But something about wine, I mean, there's a lot of science that's at the crux of it, and that really appealed to part of my brain. But there's also a really creative side to it, and you're also constantly learning and trying to understand something that you might not ever see again you know every vintage is really different and so it's it's sort of scratches both sides of my brain like it's it's very creative you have to solve problems all the time and yet um, there's like a scientific underpinning for everything that we do what do you like most about being a winemaker I mean you kind of alluded to it there a moment ago the science behind it and how every year is a little different but is there you know, where, where do you get the most joy out of your job? I like the fact that nearly every day is a little bit different. And for sure, if you look at the cycle of your full year, the calendar year of grape growing and winemaking, it's, you're doing something different every week at a time, right? And, and those different things, they might be, you know, like today, for instance, I went out with our vineyard manager, Kelly, and I and um, her assistant, Danielle, and we walked around a couple of vineyards. That's not something I did in my previous job, right? right? And it's a beautiful day. And we got to talk to the, the owner of that vineyard and, and you know, look at how fruit set was and how much leafing they had done and, you know, and how it, you know, there are so many 
differences year to year and yet similarities. And so it's exciting to see that kind of interplay, right? Um, this is a year that we've seen more clusters, but looser clusters. In the past couple of years, we've seen a lot of clusters with very tight cl clustering of grapes. And so that all those all have consequences down the line. And so it's kind of interesting to see how they play out right from the beginning, right from when your buds start pushing and, and you get to follow that entire cycle throughout the whole calendar year. Yeah, it is fascinating, I'm sure. And, and you're really taking that deep dive into the grape you know, watching it grow. Mm -hmm. So it, I'm sure it is kind of fun to, to see that. You have been here at Adelsheim for how many years? Oh boy. Um, <laughs> since early 2007. So for quite a while, I'm now one of the longest serving employees here. Right. <laughs> There's one or two people that have been around longer than I have, but yeah, I started here um, in the cellar. So I was just a cellar hand and worked here through that next harvest in 2007 and was promoted to cellar master. And then a couple of years later to assistant winemaker, a couple of years after that to associate winemaker, and then a couple of years ago as winemaker. So I have to ask, uh, did someone give you your first big break in winemaking? Yeah, I well, so I, my first harvest, I worked for Erath, um, also here in the Willamette Valley, and had absolutely no experience. <laughs> Didn't really know what I was getting into. But it was kind of a different time back then, and I don't think I would have gotten that internship or even a full-time job anywhere with the amount of experience I had. I mean, I was coming from a totally different industry. I did have a degree in chemistry, which was loosely relevant, right. but not so relevant that it would, you know, guarantee you a spot on an internship for an actual professional winery. So I think I was fortunate to start in the industry when I did. Um, things are definitely more competitive out there now, uh, for sure. And you've seen that during the course of your career in yes, the wine industry. Definitely. There's a lot of um, people coming out of really top schools, a lot of education in wine, working around the world in wine. And I think people, the people that I've been seeing coming through as interns over the last four or five years have just been extraordinary. Really great. Does it scare you to have that competition or does it challenge you what how, how do you interpret that no I mean for me it's great we bring in interns from all around the world and in my mind one of the expectations that we have of our interns is that they're teaching us things too right because we're not traveling around the world we all work here permanently and so it's really helpful if they will bring in new ideas and insights and ask us questions. And we expect that and we tell them that up front and just as much as we expect them to learn what we're doing. And it's, it's one of the things I think about the Oregon wine industry and to some degree the wine industry globally. It is very collaborative and it is quite small. I mean, a lot of people know each other. Um, and if I see an intern come through and they're really great, I'll make that recommendation to someone else and they'll continue working in the industry and vice versa. If I see that someone else has worked for a friend of mine, I'll call them up and say, Hey, how'd it go? <laughs> what do you think? And it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a really, there's a lot of crossover in what we do and it's really important to learn from other people locally as well as around the world and, and sort of get reinvigorated and, and have some new ideas come our way and then, there are things that we've implemented in our vineyards and in our winemaking that we've learned from interns. Well, that's good and refreshing. You know, a fresh perspective to yeah. the end an intern provides. Throughout your career as an engineer and winemaker, are there top moments in your career that, that stand out? Maybe moments that you're most proud of? 
There so are far. a lot of them. It's hard to pick one. Honestly, every time I get through another vintage, I feel like it's a huge <laughs> victory. <laughs> it's pretty challenging, especially with a small child. A lot of pressure comes on uh, my husband, to be perfectly frank. <laughs> he's, he's great. He um, kind of takes care of child rearing for two months at a time exclusively. And, you know, that's a hard thing for families to absorb. Right. Um, so, yeah, and it's I'm at the winery every day for long hours, just like everyone else, you know, in winemaking is. That's just the expectation. And, yeah, that can get challenging. And when it's all over, it feels like it went by in an instant. Um, but leading up to it, there's always a sense of foreboding. Right. <laughs> right. So every day is a top moment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> During harvest, especially. Yeah. Have you had a mentor while you've been working in the wine industry? Yeah. I mean, I think everyone that I've worked with, I've learned something from. from. And some more than others, particularly those that I've worked with for longer. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, it's an interesting thing. I went to this woman in wine conference a couple of days ago, and one of the speakers there was talking about mentorship, and it's not something that I've thought about as a formal adventure, right? And so it was interesting to kind of reflect on that and, and what does mentorship look like for this industry. Wineries tend to be fairly small in size in terms of the number of employees, at least in this part of the world in Oregon. So you don't have an infinite list of people who could potentially help further your career. So what does mentorship look like? Is it, you know, for me, I mean, I meet with um, a group of women winemakers and as a tasting group and, you know, it's everyone from Lynn Penarash, who is the first female winemaker in the Valley to Wynne Peterson Nedry, who has, you know, been around here. She's second generation and, you know, she's the youngest in her group. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of people in between and I learned from those guys and I think they're my mentors too. And I don't know, I think it's a really dynamic, fluid kind of thing. Mentorship doesn't have to be so formal. I agree. Um, I agree. And you do have a great little tasting group there. Yeah. You know, those are some of, you're in a rock star group. What drives you about the wine industry? What, what, what keeps you going? I just love the process. The process, the, the chemistry, the unknown. All of it, right. I mean, I, I I just, I love the whole thing. I mean, honestly, I drink some wine at home, but mostly it's cocktails. Right. I'm going <laughs> to ask you right. about that in a little bit. <laughs> right. And I mean, I like wine and I'll have some with dinner, but I mean, I work with some people that, that they are so nerdy about wine um, and that's great. Um, for me, I like, I I really thrive on just how we're making it, the decisions that go into it, the sort of 60,000 foot view of how the winery is working. It's a very complex machine and, and it, you know, for my role, it's everything from plumbing right. <laughs> you know, in the past, not so much now, but in the past equipment repair, um, barrel ordering and tasting and blending and also how the winery functions, how much wines cost to make and, how much fruit should be set in a certain block? Where is that fruit going to go? I mean, it's it's so multifaceted. It's For me, that's the really engaging thing because it's not just one thing that you're doing all the time. It's a hundred different things you're doing a hundred different ways every year. Do you think women really do have the best palate? Not necessarily. No, yeah. I'm not a believer in that. I haven't studied the science of that, so mm-hmm. caveat on that one. But 
Um, I don't know. I think part of it is a lot of it, honestly, is just training and it's doing it a lot and it's being clued into what you're looking for. And also sensitivities. People have natural sensitivities to certain chemicals. I have a hard time smelling um, acidic acid unless it's quite strong. And so I rely on both other people that I work with and also lab chemistry data to be more sensitive to that. But there are other things like Britannomyces. I am incredibly sensitive to the products that those yeasts produce. And I, it's hard for me to, to even... Every time I get it in wine, it's just repulsive to me. Oh, well, that's so, good. <laughs> right, but, I mean, other people don't have that level of sensitivity, and that's fine. And I mean, for me, it's important to, to taste with enough people to get um, sort of a consensus reached because I'm not making wine just for myself. I'm making it for a lot of other people. people. And let's talk about the wine here. Adelsheim has how many different varietal of wines? Or how many different wines do you guys make? So for we make predominantly Pinot Noir. Mm-hmm. Um, next highest production is Chardonnay. We make a very small amount of Pinot Blanc and an even smaller amount of Syrah. And then some sparkling wine as well, which is a new program for us. Uh, we started it in 2014, but it's been growing. We just started releasing those wines. Oh, well, that's exciting. And yeah. then you have a rosé. We do. We have a rosé of Pinot Noir. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I had a little sip of that yeah. when I arrived. <laughs> it was yummy. What's the total case production here? It varies. It's usually around 40,000 cases per year. And then do you have winery-only wines? Yeah, most of our single vineyards are exclusively sold through the winery. And those are mostly Pinot Noirs. So, so we have nine different single vineyard Pinot Noirs. Wow. And we have one single vineyard Chardonnay. Do you have a favorite? I know. It's I like do. A, oh, I you do. do. Oh, my God. She's going to tell us. <laughs> yeah. What is it? My favorite is Quarter Mile. Um, okay. So that Why? is because it's a wine unlike any I've ever had. It's very unique, I think, and it's from the very first block that David Adelsheim planted in 1974. Um, It's unknown provenance (laughs) is the best way to put it, um, what the plant material was, but it's been such a special part of what we've done over the years that we've taken cuttings from that block and grafted it onto rootstock and a couple other of our estate sites which for me is really exciting because it's this heritage piece of material um, that has such a great story and really is quite unique in what it does and the, the kinds of wines that it produces. So that's my favorite. Well, now I'm tempted to go try it before yeah. I, I leave. <laughs> and you just released, though, a wine that we've got in front of us. So I would ask, you know, where does it fall in the pecking order of preferences but i won't hey, yeah. <laughs> well, they're all different they're <laughs> like ha- if you had like a whole bunch of children bunch of kids, right, right. Uh, so um, we have the 2015 Calkins lane here in front of us and Calkins lane is the vineyard property that surrounds the winery and tasting room itself so this is the third vineyard that david planted and this was planted in the mid 90s and so right now it is almost all pinot noir and some Chardonnay. And this is where our tiny little bit of Syrah grows as well. You put a little Chardonnay in there. Yeah. That's yeah. fascinating. Oh, not in the wine. Oh, sorry. Good. At this okay. site. Okay. This I was like, wait has, a minute. No, no. <laughs> this is 100% Pinot Noir that we're going to be tasting. But this site at Calkins Lane has Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, and Syrah planted here. Okay. I'm with you. So, and you just released the 2015. Mm-hmm. This wine. So, um, what? how would you best describe this wine for our listeners? For me, I get a lot of 
blackberry from Calkins Lane. Mm. There's like a red, black kind of raspberry quality tending to blackberry in some years. There's um kind of a roasted hazelnut note, I think, sometimes, and for sure in this one. Oh, the nose is spectacular. Mm-hmm. There's also some purple flowers, I think, lilacs or violets, that kind of quality. And it's a really chewy kind of structure to it, so it's, um, like, there's a real presence in the mouth. It's chewy, but it's it's kind of silky, mm-hmm. too. Yeah, and I think that's one of the stylistic hallmarks of our wines. It's definitely what we strive for is um a more elegant kind of supple tannin mm-hmm. we don't always get what we want <laughs> but because <laughs> nature plays a, nature <laughs> right plays a part in that mm-hmm. it's very nice thank you so if somebody wants to get their hands on this 2015 Calkins lane pinot noir how how can they do that so it's sold on our website or you could come into the tasting room, or frankly, just call the winery, and they can set that up. Okay. But it's not in distribution, so this wouldn't be the kind of wine that you would find on a shelf somewhere in a store. So it's an extra special wine. Mm-hmm. Let's shift to your personal life. Okay. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you told me that you live in, is it Tigard? Tigard, yeah. Tigard. Yep. Tigard, Oregon, which is part of the Willamette Valley? Uh, technically, no. <laughs> <laughs> it would be well, outside the bounds of the AVA of the okay. Willamette Valley, I think, because it's lower elevation. Mm-hmm. But um, it's about 25 minutes from the winery. It's towards Portland. It's okay. sort of halfway between where we are here at the winery and Portland. So of all the places you could live, how did you choose <laughs> Tigard? Convenience. I lived in Portland for a long time. I went to college there. I lived there after college. After um, my husband and I moved back from Ireland, we moved back to southeast Portland. And it was, to be honest... Um, it was a matter of convenience. It was, it, you know, we work really long hours here at the winery during harvest and driving home an hour, driving to work an hour after a 12 to 14 hour day is a lot. Um, and it was getting to be kind of a long commute for him too. He works out in Hillsborough, which is a suburb quite far out. So we try to find some place that was centrally. In, centrally located in a good school district. And yet you can still take a lift into Portland. <laughs> Oh, that's good. Okay, so it you were trying to find a place that worked for both of your lives mm-hmm. uh, or careers, I guess. So if we took a step inside your home, what would we see, Gina? You would see construction right now. We are in the <laughs> middle of buying a new house, which is just a couple miles away, and doing some construction on our current house. So right now, um, there's a little bit of rubble. There's <laughs> a little in the chaos. Way, a little chaos. But it's going to look spectacular really soon. The new house is very exciting. Yeah, it's, tell us about that. Well, it's empty right now. Right. But <laughs> soon be populated. What, what is your plans for that the plans, house? It's, um, you know, it's just a little bit better of a, a layout, I guess. Like, we have this really nice 
We'll have this patio in the back so we can eat outside. It's right off the kitchen. Um, really nice outdoor living area. There's some area for a garden in there. Um, where I have plans to put in a wine cellar under the stairs. That's climate controlled, right. which I'm very excited about. Yes. Um, for a long time, I've had wine just sort of stashed everywhere, and it'd be nice to have it all in one place. <laughs> right. That would be good <laughs> would for be a winemaker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's exciting. It's exciting to think about how everything's going to fit in there. Well, it's you know building the house is stressful. I- we're not, so we're buying a house and doing in the middle remodeling okay. on our current house. Yeah. Oh, yeah. so you're going to keep both houses? No, we're oh. just sort of remodeling and doing some updates before okay. we resell it. Okay, I got that. Let's just stay focused on your new house. On the new house, how are you hoping to take uh, what you have and maybe purchase some new things? How, how do you see it coming together inside? Other than the wine cellar and the outdoor garden and and that. I mean, what is your decorating style? Oh, um, eclectic. <laughs> okay, am I going to see um, a patchwork sofa, leather sofa? No. <laughs> yeah. no what kind of, I mean, what's your color scheme? You know, uh, are, do you have some special mementos? That... Yeah, I mean, so I really like traveling and I try to get, unique things from wherever I am in the world. And so there are a lot of those elements. Um, That's where the eclectic comes in. Is it very green and Irish? No, not at all. No, no, no. Um, There are some things from our time in Ireland and my husband's cultural time there. But no, I mean, it's, I don't know. I mean, I think it's sort of, it's organic um, in the sense that it wasn't a thoughtful plan of how things are going to look together. Uh, (laughs) But it's also very comfortable and, um, I would say more on the modern side. Right. Um, yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'm going to let you off the hook on that. <laughs> Appreciate you that. Do have, you do have a daughter. How old yes. is your daughter? She is six. She is six. So it, your house also has to be child friendly. Correct. How are you dealing with having a family and, and working? How is that work-life balance? It is normally pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of um, extracurricular activities that come along with a winemaking role. So right. there are a lot of tastings and events that happen at night on the weekends. Um, so that can be kind of tough to manage sometimes. And obviously harvest is a huge impact on one's family. Sure. So that is a thing. But, I mean, it's also something I really enjoy doing. And fortunately... Um, I'm in a relationship where my partner encourages that and you know supportive of that. Um, without that, I think it'd be un- it'd be very challenging. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So it's great. He must be an amazing man. Yeah, <laughs> he's pretty great. Uh, so, so I have to ask since we are talking about your home, and you alluded to this a little earlier. Other than Adelsheim, what do you like to drink at home? Again, mostly cocktails. Yeah, what kind yeah. of cocktail? Um, Tell us. Well, right now, I so it's kind of you know it's summertime, so um, I picked up a cocktail from a place that we went to before we um, went out to dinner in Portland, and it's it has um, an almond based. I can never remember the name of it. Um, it's not a liqueur, but it's it's like an almondy kind of flavor. Okay. Um, orgeat. Orgeat? Oh. I think it's Orgeat. So it's Orgeat and then a bunch of 
lemon juice, lime juice, a little orange juice, and some fizzy water. And yeah. it's just, like, very refreshing. And vodka in there as well. And it's, yeah, it's a delicious summertime drink. Okay, so you're, you, you like to be a cocktail girl at home. Yeah. You experiment with different things. Or yeah, you, yeah. You have some, you try something new when you're out and about, and mm-hmm. you try to implement that at, mm-hmm. at home. Very cool. I also drink a lot of whiskey. Oh, really? Yes. Any, various types. Are there a couple of favorites <laughs> that you want to mention? Yeah, I really like Redbreast. It's an Irish whiskey. It's delicious. Um, and then there's a couple of scotches that I will go to depending on my mood. Can Redbreast be purchased in the States? Redbreast? Oh. Redbreast. Yeah, you breast? can. Redbreast? Yep. <laughs> Redbreast. Redbreast. Breast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, like a robin. <laughs> yeah. <okay. laughs> right. Um, really, oh my goodness! Yeah, it's the, there's another Irish whiskey that um, is called Green Spot, which yes. is also really good. Both of which you can find particularly in higher end liquor stores. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, good they're deal. both really good. When you're not working or running after your six year old, uh, what do you like to do for yourself? Um, I really like to um, mountain bike. I'm actually going to go this afternoon after oh, work, um, and then. Uh, bouldering. I do quite a lot of bouldering. So where do you mountain bike around here? Any favorite spots? I really like Post Canyon. It's out in Hood River. So it's kind of a drive. It's about right. an hour and 15 minutes. But it is spectacular mountain biking. Closer out here, there's Stub Stewart, which is more towards Vernonia. How often do you get to incorporate those activities into your life? Bouldering, I'll do two or three times a week. Oh, wow. And mountain biking... Maybe once a week. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. then you're pretty on top of it for making time for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah. Not, not all of us are so good at doing that. Have you had a challenging time in your life that you can share? You know, has there been something on a personal level that's been really challenging that that uh, that you overcame? Uh, yeah. That you can share. Yeah. Um, so last winter, uh, my dad passed away, which was, um, not totally unexpected, but it was, it was, it was hard to get through, but, um, I was very fortunate to have supportive family and friends, um, around me and, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's still something I, I think about, um, think about him and you know what he'd be doing now and so that can be kind of hard sometimes but for sure yeah Yeah. and is all your immediate family in the area no none of them oh in minnesota oh oh my gosh Mm -hmm. okay i didn't realize you came in from did you grow you grew up in minnesota i grew up in minnesota okay that i didn't know i should have asked you that earlier Well, does your family visit often because the weather might be a little bit better here? Yeah, it is, <laughs> I think. Um, hence me living here. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. my mom comes out, you know, probably around three times a year. She'll come out for Anya's birthday. She'll come out, she and her twin sister, my aunt, will come out for about three weeks during harvest to help out, which oh, is okay. amazing. Like, why? Yeah, right. <laughs> and then she or maybe both of them will come out again just for a few days here and there. Super. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. A last personal question, then we're going to wrap it up. Um, is there something that people might be surprised to learn about you? Something out of the ordinary that just, do you have a hidden talent? 
<laughs> I have no hidden talents. <laughs> do you collect something odd? Do you speak a, a language that we might be surprised to discover? Um, no. No. <laughs> Okay, so what you see I don't is... like cooked carrots. Is that a weird thing? You don't like cooked, cooked carrots? carrots? Oh, They're okay. They're repugnant. Okay, well, I'll give you that. <laughs> I'll let you off the hook on that one, too. So, Gina, I like to wrap things up with five quick questions. They're kind of, you know, random, and the idea is not, not to give too much thought to them. Um, so, you ready? Yeah. Okay, here we go. What kind of car do you drive? I have an Audi SQ5. Okay. What time do you like to get up in the morning? What time do I like to get up or what time do (laughs) I get up? What time do you like to get up? I am usually up by 6 o'clock, hence the (laughs) six-year-old. Right. Okay. I I am a morning person, so generally I'd be only getting up at 6.30 or 7 if not for her. So pretty early. Where was your last vacation? Uh, It was in Costa Rica. Interesting. One of your favorite songs? Lil Nas X. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I'm joking. It's actually a a song that I have been plagued with in the winery. Um, all my coworkers will listen to the, I don't even know the name of it. It's the Horses in the Back song. No, oh, I have it's no idea. It's a phenomenon, right? Now. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Poor thing. <laughs> Which do you prefer, ice cream or potato chips? Uh, if I had to pick, I guess potato chips. Okay. And I have lost count, so I'm, I I think I might owe you one more question. So what was the last magazine you read? Like actual physical magazine? Yeah, physical magazine. You know, those things you hold in your hand? I don't even know. Probably like Bon Appetit or something. Okay. Yeah. That works. Gina, you are amazing. Uh, really, I can't thank you enough for no taking problem. some time out and talking to us about your life. Thank you for tuning in to listen and learn about the women featured in our lifestyle books and involved in our business. Share these episodes on your social media platforms so more people can learn about Wine Country Women. Visit our website at winecountrywomen.com to join our list and be the first to learn about exclusive offers and events. Grab a glass and join us next week for a new episode of Wine Country Women.